To understand Christmas, we must first understand the connection to God's promise to us. This is the first message in the series, Christmas Is. The message is entitled, A Promise Fulfilled. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Take your Bibles, your, your sheets out, your, 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 your app, I should say, where you have your notes tonight. We're going to continue or start, I should say, a, a message series entitled Christmas Is. And the, the essence of this message really came out of me taking some time just a few weeks ago as I was looking at my calendar and realizing that we were already into the early part of October and I knew that Christmas was coming. And I, I wanted to sort of give us a refresher course on Christmas. And I felt that in my heart, one of the things that we need to be aware of is what really, what is, what, what is Christmas? What is it all about? There's a lot of different uh, ideas that sort of traffic through our communities and our, our world today when it comes to Christmas. A lot of people think of it as just a celebratory time and a gift-giving time, but we need to get back to the essence of what Christmas is all about. And so what I'm going to be sharing with you over these next three weeks together really, I hope, will help us all to cement in our hearts and minds what Christmas is. I would really encourage you to be a part of this series for the entire uh, weeks together. It would also be a great series if you know someone that doesn't know Christ to invite them to be here at church as well because I'm going to be really trying to lay out the gospel message. And sometimes you may not know exactly how to share the gospel with someone. Let me tell you, bring them to church. I'll make sure they hear the gospel. I'll share the gospel with them and I'll make sure they get an opportunity to receive Christ in their life. So Christmas is. And I want to talk to you tonight about, about a promise fulfilled, the promises of Christmas, a promise fulfilled. What is Christmas? Christmas is a promise fulfilled. Say it with me. Christmas is a promise fulfilled. Three things we're going to look at for these next few moments together and the idea of promises and connection with Christmas. The first thing that I want to talk about just for a bit here, and this will be where I will spend most of my time, is to understand that promises are extremely valuable. When you get a promise in your life, a promise is a wonderful treasure that someone can give to you especially when we think about the promises given to us by God. Oftentimes, we don't really stop and think about the value of a promise. Think about promises that have carried you through tough times. Think about situations in your life where you're not, you're not sure how you would have made it had there not been a promise you were holding on to in that moment. Promises carry us through challenging moments in life. And so let me give you the definition of a promise, uh, just to really the dictionary definition of promise, because we're going to build on that tonight when it comes to the concept, the idea, the experience of Christmas. Webster defines promise, a promise as a declaration, written or verbal, made by one person to another, which binds that person who made it to do a specific act that causes hope, expectation, or assurance. Someone says to another person, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be a response from me to you. And there's going to be something in that promise that creates hope, that creates expectation, and gives you assurance. There really is no promise without, with a promise coming hope, expectation, and the other word that I just mentioned there is the word assurance, the idea that somebody is assuring you of something that's going to transpire, something that's going to come your way. And when you study the Bible, promise is a really big word in the Bible, and it's a really big concept all through the pages of, of Scripture, because promises run from Genesis to Revelation. You can't hardly open up any page of your Scriptures, your Bible, without finding some promise that God gives to His people, that God gives to us. 
I want to walk you through some examples of what the Scripture says about the value of the promises of God. Take a look with me at what the, what the writer of Psalms, Psalm 119, verse 162 says, I rejoice in your... What are we talking about tonight? The psalmist says, I rejoice, I find joy, I find fulfillment, I find a lot of wonderful positive things in your promise, talking about God's promise, like one who finds great spoil. That word spoil was used to describe military, uh, military advances that would happen, and in the context of that, they would take treasures from those they captured. And so the psalmist says, I'm rejoicing in your promise, it's like one that finds great treasure for one's life. Do you think of the promises of God as a great treasure for you? Let's take a look at this next verse of Scripture in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, we're talking about a man named Abraham and how his life was changed, enriched by the promises of God. When God made his, what's that word again? Promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will, here's the promise, I will surely do what? Bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham did what? Abraham received what was, here's the word again, promise. We're going to get to Christmas in a moment because all this builds up to the idea of Christmas. The scripture says of Abraham that he was a man who was given a promise by God. And the promise was, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to have a descendant. And when God gave Abraham this promise, Abraham was 75 years old. He did not have, he nor his wife had the ability to produce children. So it was something given that produced hope inside of them, anticipation of their future and God delivered on everything that was promised when Sarah was 90 years old approximately and Abraham was approximately 100 years old. They had a son. Does anyone remember his name? His name was Isaac. Take a look at this next verse of Scripture. He's talking now about about, about his wife Sarah. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, I would say if you're 90, you're past childbearing age, right? wasn't able to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful, who had made the, there's the word again. Take a look at this verse. I love this one. Why don't you read it together with me aloud and loudly? Here we go. For no matter how many, stop there for a moment. What's the word again? Promises. No matter how many promises God has made, they are Yes, in Christ, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So in essence, what that verse tells us is that when you read and find a promise from God in the scriptures, they're for you because if you're in Christ, all of God's promises are for you. And what you need to simply do is add an amen to the promise of God. And amen says, so be it. That's the meaning of the word amen. And so I read a promise from scripture and I say, amen. That's mine. So be it in my life because I'm in relationship with God. The promises of God become available to you and me. Now, why are promises so important to your life? You need the promises of God in your life. Why? Let's take a look at some reasons why you need them. Because a promise always will address the possibility of change and relief from some undesirable circumstances and situations. A promise says, you know, you're not going to stay in this forever. Isn't that good news whenever you're going through a tough time? 
This is not going to last forever. So a promise addresses the possibility of change, the possibility of relief in your life from something that's undesirable, a circumstance, a situation that you need to get out of. And so the promise is there for you to carry you through those moments. Take a look at the next one here. They inspire hope for something better. Do any of you hope that there'll be a better tomorrow than there was yesterday? Do you have a hope that somehow something in the future is going to unfold in your life that will be a positive anticipation for what is yet to come? And so promises give you hope that something's down the pathway for you. It's coming into your life. Also, they motivate movement towards something higher and nobler. If you have the promise, then what you tend to do is you go toward what you focus on. Anything you focus on, it'll draw you toward it. Anything your mind is on, you'll go in the direction of your focus. And so if the promise of God is the focus of your life, what will you do? You will move by nature toward the promise. You'll move toward the hope. And all of us need to be moving in the the direction of the hope given to us by the promises of God. Here's a fourth thing that promises do for us. They provide artillery in fighting weariness, despair, and discouragement. Sometimes you need some artillery in your life to fight your battles. Is that true? You got battles that are going on. You need to fight those battles because you're getting weary and you're despairing and you're getting discouraged. And so what do you do? You pull out that that wonderful thing called the promise, the promise of God. And it gives you the uh, artillery, something to shoot at the adversary as he's somehow trying to wear you down and create the lack of hope in your life. Now, the promise of God is really wrapped up in Christmas because Christmas is all about God fulfilling a promise. I'll get more to that in just a moment, but you need to understand that Christmas is about a promise from God. And you'll never appreciate a promise until, first of all, you appreciate and understand your need for that promise, right? If you don't feel a need for a promise, the promise will mean nothing to you, okay? If you already have everything you need, if you have a a bank account with millions of dollars, and I come and I say, I promise you I'm going to give you $100, you're not going to be impressed with that, right? Because you already have everything you have need of. And so a promise is only a valuable thing in your life if you know that you need it. And I want to tell you that we need it as human beings. We desperately needed the fulfillment of the promise of Christ coming to earth. I needed it. You needed it. The Bible's very clear about what we needed in relationship with God because this is where we were in our lives before Jesus. Notice Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. As for you, you can use me right there, as for us, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were not just bad, you were dead. A lot of people think, well, I was bad before Jesus. No, you weren't just bad, you were dead and your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The writer goes on to say here, Paul does, all of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature, deserving of what? Wrath. Let's stop there for a moment. You're never going to appreciate Christmas unless you really understand the condition you were in and we're all in apart from Christ. If you think you're just kind of a nice person trying to do the best you can and you're not really sure that you you need a Savior, you'll never appreciate a Savior unless you know that you need a Savior. 
And so that's why the scripture is so clear about helping us to understand that before Christ, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We, we, were, we were without hope in the world. All we had was what the world offered us. We had no hope for eternal life. We were missing something of essence. And so again, until you understand your need for a savior, you will not appreciate the fact that God sent his only begotten son into our world as our savior. So when God extended himself to us in what we know to be Christmas. What he did is he said this, I am going to promise you something in the midst of this condition, this terrible need that you have in your life. My promise to you is I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to send you a redeemer. I want you to know that help is on the way. He gave this promise thousands and hundreds of years before Christ was born. He kept telling the world, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming, the Savior's coming. Don't give up hope. I'm sending my Redeemer into the world. And so Christmas is all about a promise that God gave to humanity that he fulfilled. Let's take a look at some of these promises that go along with Christmas. It goes all the way back. Can you believe it? To the book of Genesis, God started promising to send his son all the way back in the book of Genesis because that's where the need was arising because Adam and Eve had sinned against God. They failed God. They were being cast out of the garden. They were sinners because they disobeyed God. And so they were in trouble. They needed a savior. And look at what God said, he spoke this to the, to the serpent who had led Adam and Eve into sin, and notice the words that were spoken. Here's a promise, and I will put enmity between you, that's the serpent, and the woman, that was the seed of the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The he here is none other than Jesus. He's telling the serpent, I'm telling you, you did, a, you did a trick on my creation, but I'm promising this is going to happen. I'm going to send a seed out of this woman over the centuries, and that seed is going to crush your head. And of course, that seed being Jesus, the Messiah, that's all the way back in the book of Genesis. Take a look at what Isaiah said 700 years before Christ was born. Here's God speaking to the world again, saying, hey, a Savior's on the way. I promise you, you're not going to stay in this condition forever. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we'll call him who? Emmanuel. Isn't that good news to know that God, 700 years before Jesus was born, he says, I'm going to raise up a virgin that will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's right. God is with us. Now, this was a promise 700 years. Was it fulfilled? Yes. Matthew 1, 23. Here's it again as he's describing the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is the announcement of Jesus' birth. And so there you see the promise given and the the promise fulfilled. Let's take a look at another Old Testament prophecy about Jesus coming. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. But you, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. You know that Christmas carol? Where was Jesus born? 
hundreds of years before Christ was born. What did the prophets say? What was the promise? Just keep your eyes open, folks, because something incredible is going to happen in Bethlehem. Keep your eyes open because something wonderful is going to happen in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was a little no-place town. There was nothing, really, it was basically a village, and so nobody thought much about Bethlehem. You certainly would have thought that Jerusalem might have been the place that the king would come, but no, God said, keep your eye on the map because Bethlehem is going to be known as the place where I'm going to send the ruler of Israel. Did that happen? Well, let's take a look. Story of Christmas, Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, describing the fulfillment of Jesus' birth into the world. Very powerful understanding of this. Let's take a look now at Genesis chapter 12. I want you to see this process again. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Don't stop there. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This was a promise given to Abraham. But it was a promise given to Abraham, not just about Abraham and Isaac and his seed. It was a promise given to Abraham about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, because the inclusion here, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, through your seed, the Messiah is going to come and all people will be blessed. Do you know that around the world today, from every tongue and tribe and nation, there are people who name the name of Jesus? Peoples all around the world who've come to Christ because of the fulfillment of this promise. You see the fulfillment in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus. The genealogy of who? Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Are you beginning to see these are promises that God said, I am going to fulfill? And you have to understand that promises are extremely valuable and Christmas was built upon promises, promise after promise after promise that eventually are fulfilled. That's the second point that I want you to see tonight. First of all, you're grateful for God's promise for the coming of Jesus, right? And here's the second thing, fulfill promises bring what? Bring joy. Anytime a a promise is fulfilled, there's joy. And one of the words associated with Christmas, I I would just encourage you, uh, look on some Christmas cards, drive around and look at some Christmas decorations, and I would imagine you're going to see this word a lot, right? Joy, peace, these are words that pop up around Christmas all the time. Why? Because Christmas is associated with joy. Promises bring joy, and fulfilled promises bring great joy. I'll say that again. Promises, when you have a need in your life, and somebody comes along and says, I'm going to meet that need, what does that give you? Joy. But when they come through and the promise is fulfilled, you don't just have joy, you now have great joy. There's a difference between joy and great joy. Take a look at the shepherds. Because the shepherds describe this in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. While they were there, the time came. This is when Jesus was about to be born near Bethlehem. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch 
over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now let's see what the angels say. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Read those words with me. Not will be born. Not might be born has been born. So there that night as these shepherds were out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks, the angel showed up in, in, in their midst and they were terrified. The angel said, no, 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 don't be afraid. What's happened in your midst is this, the one that was promised that the joyous, the joyous promise that was given hundreds and thousands of years ago by God has now been fulfilled. And so it's not a matter of having joy. I want you to have great joy. Don't be afraid because you have great joy because the, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So a promise brings joy, but a fulfilled promise brings great joy so at what level should our joy be? Great joy in the fact that Jesus came. There's nothing greater than that reality. It's interesting, by the way, when you study this in the original language, uh, that word for great is where we get our word mega. Okay? Mega joy. So God's plan for your life is not, not a little bit of joy. God's plan for your life is you walk around with mega joy. Get you a t-shirt that says, I got mega joy, Okay? Because it's the fulfillment of a promise of Jesus coming. So because of this reality, we can sing joy to the world, the Lord. Come on, sing it with me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, mega joy to the world. We should change the words of that song, shouldn't we, okay? Mega joy, okay? Amen, okay? Here's our final point. Promises are valuable. Fulfilled promises are important for us. Obviously, they bring mega joy. The third thing is fulfill promises, bring us faith for our future. Boy, I love the fact that if God fulfilled his promise in the past, guess what he'll do with his promise in your future? I'm not sure you heard that, okay? Let me say it again. If God, if God fulfilled promises from the past, what can you expect him to do in your present and in your future? You can expect, God doesn't lie, Okay. God doesn't lie. God never gives a promise that he doesn't fulfill. As we saw, thousands and hundreds of years before Christ was born, he said, hey, it's coming. A virgin is going to conceive, give birth. Oh, by the way, Bethlehem's going to be the place. You can go to Bethlehem now and go to the church of the nativity, and they have a place that, 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 that is recognized as the birthplace of Jesus. We're not sure if it's right there or not, but it's certainly near to there where Jesus was born. It's a reality. People celebrate that. And so, again, promises in the past that were fulfilled, the shepherds experienced it. 
Mary and Joseph obviously understood that as well as so many did as Jesus grew up and entered into ministry. But it also has something to say to you and me. It's about our future. It builds confidence in us because if he fulfilled a promise in the past, he will fulfill a promise in the future. If I make a promise to you, this is so basic and so rudimentary, but it's so important. If I make a promise to you and I don't deliver on that promise, what's going to happen the next time I come around and make a promise to you? You don't pay any attention to me, right? Not at all. But if I make a promise to you and I fulfill that promise, the next time I come around and make a promise to you, what are you going to expect? That it'll, be, it'll happen. And so you and I have to understand this is vital to us that if God fulfilled the promise through his prophets of sending Jesus, he is in the business of fulfilling promises. He never makes anything that is not fulfilled uh, by, his, by his power and by his plan. And so here we see that this promise of his coming was fulfilled. But I want to help you to understand not only your own life, but something more that is out in the future because there's another promise of another big day that hasn't arrived yet, and that's the promise of his second coming. Okay. If the promise of his first coming was fulfilled, will the promise of his second coming be fulfilled? So you got to understand this because we're not just, this world in which we live is a temporary place. It's not going to be like this forever. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't buy into the idea this is all there is. No, I'm telling you that thousands and hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet said, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Now we're here because he came. We're celebrating the reality of his first coming. And by the way, he said, and also I am coming again. Take a look at this in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. This is his ascension, the Jesus going up from the Mount of Olives and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And so let's stop there for a moment. Here are the, the apostles and they're watching Jesus ascend into heaven. He's going up and they're trying to wrap their mind around this. And finally two men, actually they were angels dressed in white that stood beside them. And here's what the angels said. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus. Say it with me, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. Notice this. Here's the promise. He will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So he says, look, understand something. This, this is not the end of the story. I used my prophets thousands of years, years ago to tell you that he was coming. He came and did what he came to do by dying on the cross and redeeming mankind and rising from the grave. And now you've watched him ascend into heaven. But understand, this is not the end of the story. Why do you stand here gazing there? Get busy, do your work, but understand this, that he is coming back in the same manner in which he left. Jesus is coming back a second the second time. And it's surely, oh, I hope you'll get this in your heart. Because the Bible says that when we look forward to the second coming of Jesus, it purifies our heart. It purifies our heart. There's something, when you live with an awareness that Jesus came the first time, yes, but he's coming back a second time. He came as the suffering servant, but he's coming back as the conquering king, okay? Yeah. 
He came as the one who died on the cross, but when he comes again, he'll come in he, on, a, on a white horse. He went down on Jerusalem to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on a donkey, but he comes back riding on a white horse with a word of God written across him. That's who he is. So I want to really drive this home to us tonight, this weekend. I want you to understand in two levels. One, when it comes to Jesus, he's coming back. Live with the awareness of that, but also understand in your own life that when God gives you a promise, when you're reading his Bible, this Bible, and you open up and you find a promise from God, that promise is for you, okay? Because the Bible says that every promise is in Jesus. It's yes. It's not no, it's yes, okay? Now, we may not always understand how God works the promise out, okay? You know, I'll give you an example of my mom. I was hoping and praying that my mom, when she was sick, that she would live. I prayed for that. I want her to be healed, okay? And she is. Okay? Now, was she healed with me watching a miracle before my eyes? No, she was healed by going into the presence of the healer, okay? So, is God's promise still true? Still true, okay? It's just that he chose to heal her in a way that was different than maybe I would have thought that she could have been healed. But what I want you to see is that every promise from God is yes and amen. Lay claim to it because it is the hope for your future. Don't shy away from the promise of God. Take a look at this last verse, Hebrews 10, 35. So do not throw away your confidence. Your confidence in what? In yourself? No. Don't throw away your confidence in God. Don't throw away your confidence in God's promises because the Bible says if you hold on to that confidence, what will happen? It will be richly rewarded. What is Christmas? Christmas is about a promise fulfilled and a promise that is yet to be fulfilled in our lives and in the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We're grateful for the reminder that Christmas was all about the fulfillment of your promises, promise after promise after promise of the prophets. And on that night in Bethlehem, you fulfilled everything you said you would do. The place, the person, the event, you fulfilled it all. And thank you that as you have fulfilled promise after promise related to Jesus and in so many other areas of life, that we can have confidence in the promises of the future, the promise that Jesus is coming back again and the promises you give for each one of us. We pray that we would lay hold of those promises with confidence. Let us not throw our confidence away, but Lord, let us hold on to confidence in you, knowing it will be richly rewarded. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. 
Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.